one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Catch Up with Louise McSharry. I am Louise McSharry and this is the podcast where I try and keep you up to date with everything that's going on from news to culture to people who just have interesting stuff happening. Um, I hope you had a good week. I had a pretty good week, I have to say. I spent my Saturday night dancing around a kitchen island, which I think is just like actually medicinal. I feel like it should be prescribed for mood and for other life improving <laughs> um, components. It was uh, loads and loads and loads of fun and other than that just kind of enjoying the tail end of the summer I guess marveling at the fact that it is the tail end of the summer it's almost September like how did that happen (laughs) um and generally just you know the the passage of time never ceases to amaze me I will say I don't know about you I have had a wild summer I feel like I will remember this forever and I don't know if it's because we're post-covid or what it is but um there has been a lot going on it has been a crazy time um I feel like I could do with a break (laughs) but I don't regret a single moment of it um otherwise I have been nominated for an award well the podcast has been nominated for an award it's for the stellar magazine insta star awards and they celebrate lots of people across social media and stuff and the podcast category is pretty filled with brilliant people I have to say um obviously me <laughs> uh no but people like Darren Garrahy's podcast and um the brilliant podcast from Richard Zara and Gavin um who do their news podcast and then there's people like I'm grand mom who are brilliant and lots of others and um I'm not expecting to win but if you wanted to throw me a vote like I would definitely take it you know what I mean I think it certainly wouldn't do my ego any harm if I didn't make an absolute embarrassment to myself um it's funny I've been nominated for kind of a lot of these kind of awards over the years never won by the way um but with it being the podcast it's a lot more meaningful because obviously this is my whole life now guys like you know 
this is this is what it is so anyway i'll stick the link in the notes so that if you want to go and vote you can and um, but obviously no pressure now though let's get on with the show this week i am joined once again by even more political correspondent from the sunday times ireland and we get straight into this week's news well, Aoife, already on Twitter, I've had tweets from people saying, I need the Aoife Moore explanation of what has gone on with My Robert Troy this God, week. Robert Troy, what a man. So, um, Robert Troy, um, the Minister for State in the Department of Enterprise, very dramatically, and many would say not before time, uh, resigned as Minister for State. He did not resign as a TD. Mm. He has not left his party. But he resigned. This has come after two weeks of, I would say, no word scandal mm. territory. So um, when you become a TD, you have to register your interests. So that's property, land, directorships of companies. You have to register all those things because you need to be transparent about what you own and all that. And so, presumably tr- to try to avoid conflicts of interest. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So every politician um, has to you know, declare their interests. It emerged that Robert Troy had properties that he did not register um, on his member's interest. I would actually say I checked it yesterday and his member's interest is pretty scant from what we know now. Yeah. So it turned out that he had not registered properties on his member's interest. Then a complaint was made to the Standards in Public Office Commission because of that. Um, It then um, became more of an issue when certain journalists... This journalist found that he hadn't, (laughs) (laughs) he also hadn't registered his rent, some like one of his rental properties with the Rental Tenancies Board, Mm -hmm. which is a crime um, with a punishment of a fine or you can't do jail time. Now, he admitted to the Sunday Times, me, that he hadn't (laughs) registered it on the Rental Tenancies Board. He blamed his letting agent and said um, that the fine had been paid and he was very sorry. Um, It's not up to the letting agent. Mm. It's up to the landlord. Robert Choi is the landlord. This rumbled on um, for then a couple of days. He put out a statement saying that he actually had 11 properties, nine, uh, nine of which were rented. He said that he you know, was a direct part owner in some, owner in another. Every day, um, to cut a long story short, there was just this drip feed of more things. It turned out then that it was reported that he didn't have planning permission for one of the rental properties. He was he bought a house um, at an auction from the Criminal Assets Bureau and was able to sell it at a huge profit mm. in a very short time later. He had a property company that he didn't declare on his members' interests. Oh, Robert. Whom among us has not forgotten how many houses we own, <laughs> Louise? I mean, it happens to me on a regular I, basis. I mean, uh, oh, just, wait, wait, wait. How many houses do I own? Zero. Exactly the same amount as <laughs> I own. None. None. Um, he put out a statement last night, and I feel like this is why people are very annoyed. Because, well, I'm going to say I'm very annoyed. Because in his statement, he said, I wish I was waking this up. I personally will not apologize for being a landlord. I bought my first house at age of 20 and as I went straight into a job after school. So I was in a position to purchase my first property then. I am not a person of privilege and I have not been brought up with a silver spoon in my mouth. I have worked for all I have. The issue is The issue is that 90% of the population in Ireland work for all they have. 
and many of us will never own a house. Robert Choi did not lose his job because he's a landlord. Robert Choi lost his job because he admitted that he wasn't transparent and did not follow the rules. And if you are in cabinet, if you are in government, if you're in a position of telling people what to do, you need to follow the rules. This notion, in his statement, he went after the media, he went after the opposition politicians, as he kind of deemed it some kind of witch hunt. Yeah. You ran for office. You are a public representative. You work for the people of Ireland, or in this case, Westmeath. You have to be answerable. And people are really annoyed also at the Taoiseach and the Tanish stuff because up until yesterday, they were still backing him. Mm. And they were just completely misreading the mood of the public. There is a housing emergency, and we have a minister who can't remember how many houses he owns. Well, this and is we have found through the records, I have searched the records, he argued for more rights for landlords he argued for improving the uh, rental assistance scheme which he makes money from there was just every day new things came out and it just became completely untenable and to be honest I think he would have been told to go a week ago had the government not already lost their majority and that's what the cynical thing about it is and I Mm. think that's what annoyed people more is Mm. the drip feed every day of it's not that big a deal it's not that big a deal when there are 10,000 homeless people across Ireland right now and many of us will never own our own house and they're telling us that this is fine. I mean, I think even to have the gall and the gumption and the nerve uh, to say (laughs) in your statement that you are not a person of privilege. I am not a person of privilege. You are a person of privilege, Robert Troy. If you can buy a house in Ireland, you you are are a a person person of privilege. privilege. Yes. Like, like, and I understand what he was trying to say is, uh, I didn't grow up rich. mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's the point that he Mm -hmm. was trying to make. But to literally write the words in your statement, I am not a person of privilege, is just ludicrous. Like, there are lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of people who went straight into work after school who were not in a position to buy their house Mm -hmm. at the age of 20. And that's when the market was completely different. Mm -hmm. All are not created equal, Robert. And you are not in any position to claim that you don't have privilege. And I saw in both statements from the Tanisha and the Taoiseach, they referred to Robert Choi as a hardworking politician. All politicians should be hardworking. Yeah. I'm hardworking, you're hardworking, we're all hardworking. If he's not hardworking, he shouldn't have a job. So what does that mean? What does a hardworking politician mean? Sorry, I'm off on one now, but I, <laughs> I've just, this has really, I try every day to tell people that not all politicians are the same, that people should be involved in politics, people should be interested in politics, and stories like this put people off. Yeah. It makes my job harder. Yeah. Okay, um, let's move to something completely different. We haven't talked about Ukraine actually in a good while, um, but this week Ukraine, I mean, celebrated feels like the wrong word, mm. but they held their National Independence Day. Um, and what a context to be holding that in. Yeah, they had to have very muted celebrations yesterday in Ukraine because they were afraid that Russia would use this as some kind of um, totemic day to kind of strike. So there was celebrations, but they were very low key. Um, yesterday, I was listening to the end of Live Line. At the end of Live Line, they played the Ukrainian national anthem, and I actually got a bit choked up. Like, yeah. so um, they're on high alert. They have been on high alert um, all this week, and. Vladimir Zelensky made a very kind of impassioned speech yesterday and they said that they would fight the Russian invasion until the end and they will not be making any concession or compromise. Um, Yesterday actually marked six months um, Mm -hmm. since Russia invaded 
Ukraine. Um, I don't know if anyone thought it was going to go on the song, and we've talked about this before, but I think Russia thought they were going to walk this, and mm. they very much why they haven't. And they haven't because of the aid that they're getting. And then yesterday, Joe Biden, the president of the States, he said that he would be sending €3 billion Euro in military aid to Ukraine. That feels like a lot. Is that a lot to America? America? It's actually not. Also, right. he's probably feeling a bit flush at the moment because Joe Biden is on one. Like, he's had a great couple of weeks, but we'll talk about that <laughs> next next time. Um, so, and also... Fighting Russia does really well in American politics as well. It yeah. does well in everyone's politics at this stage. And I but suppose um, $3 billion is probably a drop in the water compared to what Russia has. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so in a statement, Biden said that the aid would allow Ukraine to acquire air defense systems, artillery systems, munitions, drones, and other equipment. It sounds a bit... It kind of jars me to talk about this in kind of a celebratory way because I think war is pretty yeah. disgusting. But... This is this is the breaks. This is how the world works. Um, he said in a statement, Joe Biden said, I know Independence Day is bittersweet for many Ukrainians um, because obviously thousands of people have died. But he said that, you know, America was completely behind him and Ukraine can and will win this war. And then <sighs> Boris Johnson <laughs> went to Kiev yesterday. I was like, let these people have their Independence yeah. Day. Like, you don't need to show up. <laughs> <laughs> he saw he's on like gardening leave at work now anyway yeah. so he's like gonna jaunt, might as well gonna jaunt to Kiev but yeah so UK Prime Minister playing fast and loose with that term made his last visit to Ukraine and he said that he, they would the UK would continue to stand with our Ukrainian friends and they sent 54 million um in military aid 2,000 drones weapons um that kind of stuff and uh so this is very much the allies, you, you care, the UK and America, bedding in. Mm. This is going to go on a long time. I feel like we're looking into this now like Syria or something in the way God. that it's going to go on for years. That's horrible. Oh, so feel for the people of Ukraine. Um, moving on, uh, I suppose we're staying in the realm of politics, if you want to call what we've been talking about politics. Um, I, I followed this very closely. Sanna Marin, the world's youngest prime minister, mm-hmm. prime minister of Finland, mm-hmm. has had a rough couple of weeks. She's had a rough couple of weeks. Um, so as you said, she's the youngest prime minister. She initially, she went, God love her, went to a music festival and then brought a few friends back to her house. A video leaked on TikTok last week of even saying this out loud sounds so stupid because they're not actually doing anything wrong her and her friends are like lip syncing to a song and they're dancing they are you know people in their late mid 30s having a dance this video leaked and the centrist dads of the world went into complete meltdown yeah um she received a lot of criticism they said that, you know, it questions her leadership. Then that there was allegations that she was on drugs. Mm. So... Well, you can't answer that drugs, Aoife. Well, far be it from me. But uh, <laughs> she said that she had never taken drugs, even as a teenager. Um, but she was willing to take a drugs test um, to clear it up. It came back negative, obviously. She said that she had a few drinks at the festival, but she wasn't drunk. And if something had happened, she would have been able to work um, called upon. So that seemed to be dying down. And then this week, a second video, well, it's a photograph. Yeah, it's a photograph Mm. of two (laughs) influencers in the prime minister's residence with their tops off kissing in a photograph. It's clearly like a party photograph, to be honest. Like they're not kissing. Like it's not like a porno picture. No, and they're kind of pulled pulled their tops off. They've pulled their tops off and they've got the finish 
flag over their boobs, kind of. On the, over their it's like a sign that says Finland. It's a sign that says Finland, yeah. And so Sanna Marin obviously then was called on to apologize. He said, I think the picture is not appropriate. Apologize for it. Such a picture should not have been taken. Um, it was the same night. It was after that music festival. Yeah. And she said that, you know, all the guest names had been declared as security in advance. Um, and that, you know, there was no question of kind of anything going on that shouldn't have been going on. Um, but it calls and it started this entire debate about politicians' private lives and what politicians should be allowed to do. Um, there was often many points made that if she had been, you know, a middle-aged man in a suit who was enjoying a load of pints in a bar, people would have said, good on him. Exactly. You know? Um, so God forbid that a 36-year-old woman with a child should, um should dance at a party. I know. I've, I've actually thought about this a lot this week because I wrote my column for the Irish Independent uh, tomorrow, if you want to read it, um, about this. And I was saying that uh, it's wild the different responses that different people get in terms of gender, in terms of sexuality and in terms of class. Because mm -hmm. if you look at these examples and you think about all of the drinking that happens in the doll bar mm -hmm. at... Um, what are they called? They're not called AGMs. Oh, Jesus. Oh, the Ardeshes. Ardeshes. Yeah. Oh, God, Louise, come on. Um, at the Ardeshes and, you know, all the drinking that is part of Irish politics and has mm -hmm. been for generations. And we all know it. And mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, I'm not criticizing that. I'm just saying we all know that that's it, part yeah. of it. Um, but then when you have someone like Sana Martin or Sana Marin, excuse me, it's a problem. And when you have, say, Leo Varadkar going to a Kylie concert, it's a joke. Mm -hmm. And then if you have Lynn Ruan teaching Miriam Margulies to say, up you you tick mm. you've people saying that she's enforcing negative stereotypes and it's like no none of those things are bad or mm. jokes or anything it's just that they're not your typical male middle-aged politician mm -hmm. i mean there's just no two ways about it but also if we're going to get into that you know the middle-aged our typical middle-aged male politician in ireland if you're a middle-aged male politician who doesn't drink you are considered strange really and weird so you know, like it is, it's totally a gender thing and it's obviously not the same because I am not an, a politician or a public representative. Mm. But I have often been told that how I act and how I carry myself is not fitting of a political correspondent. So... Who's telling you that? Men. Yeah. Like uh, you act like an airhead or, you know, the way I carry myself or the clothes that I wear. You know, somebody had said like, oh, you, you'd always notice you in Leinster House. Things like that. Mm. And it's like, who, who you decided? What they're saying is, I have decided I want my news or my politics to come from this kind of person. Yeah. And then when someone doesn't fit that, they have to comment on it. Yeah. Sometimes, this is for everyone, you can just be quiet. Yeah. Maybe you could just be quiet. <laughs> maybe, maybe you just not say something about someone's appearance. Or... Just not come out of your mouth. Yeah. Um. So, Santa Marin didn't do anything wrong. Very good. Uh, Prime Minister, I've actually been to the residence where the, the picture was taken. And Did you take Finland, your top off? <laughs> I managed to keep my top on. Um, but if it's not this grand, big, yeah. you know, Prime Minister's residence. Yeah. It's Finland's a very kind of chill country. Yeah. It's just a big house. When I was there, like her kids, like tricycle and stuff was like mm -hmm. out in the garden and there was yeah. a swing and a slide and it just looks like a big house. So I can't imagine that it was... I think when people hear the Prime Minister's residence, they think of this, you know, Downing Street or something. That's yeah. It's not the case. I'm not saying that people can just mosey in and out. But yeah. Yeah, I think. 
And as I was saying to you, I would much rather have a leader who is having a dance on a Saturday night, has her kids tricycle in the garden, uh, than someone representing me who doesn't know how many rental properties they own. (laughs) Just saying. Um, Okay, now quickly... um, We haven't been super kind to politicians this morning. However, um, there is no doubt that they are victims of a lot of, you know, really inappropriate and obsessive hate online. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Gardaí are apparently monitoring the safety of politicians due to that online hate. Yeah, so this has been going on for a while. I've spoken to a number of female politicians who've said that, you know, men have turned up at their door and they've had, you know, security Mm -hmm. systems in their homes. Um, But Gardaí, well, it was revealed this week that Gardaí are cracking down on conspiracy theorists, especially. Mm. We saw the rise of this across the world when it came to COVID-19 mm. anti-mask all this kind of stuff but the Gardaí have actually visited the home of one of Ireland's like main conspiracy theorists mm. this week um, they are aware that like the rising kind of fury against politicians is getting much worse there's been threats of violence you know we saw like really disturbing videos of people following Pascal Donahue the Minister for Finance to work um, they've turned up at press conferences that I've been at um, with the housing minister it's all very intimidating but they're not technically doing anything wrong mm. um so it's very anti-government it has been fueled from covid but now monkeypox is their thing i don't know i don't monitor um them very much but apparently they're saying now that monkeypox is like uh, resurgence of this global pandemic thing that you know it's all part of government control that lou Rager and uh the t-shirt girl and on it I mean, lads, they can't even get Robert Shaw to write down many houses he has. I really <laughs> doubt the word of a global <laughs> pandemic. Um, but yeah, it is something we need to be quite worried about. Yeah. Um, I would say that I all the we've seen it. You know, Jennifer Carl McNeil was up in court. The Fine Gael TD had to take someone to court um, over you know has a harassment of her. Um, mm. A number of female politicians. Women are always going to be. We look what happened to Joe Cox. Yeah. You know, it is something we should be very concerned about. And yeah. I also, and I know, like you and I have kind of bad mouth politicians a lot uh, on this podcast, but politicians are people as well. And I don't think we've bad mouthed politicians. No, I think we've had genuine opinions about political matters. We've we don't mm-hmm. bad mouth politicians on a personal level. No, no, we don't speak out of school. Like yeah. we have every right as citizens of this country to have opinions. Yeah, that, there's we're a very, difference between that. We're very critical. Yeah, yeah, we're critical politicians. But at the end of the day, politicians are people. Um, yeah, and there has to be a set. You would not go on to Tesco's and start harassing and abusing. No someone in Tesco's so you do not have the right to turn up at someone's house who because they're your TD absolutely not I totally agree um and then finally just very quickly a nice little good news story to uh finish up on today Andrew Tate it's is it a good news story I don't know I'm quite concerned about this well I am concerned about it but I mean this this particular element is good this is good so Andrew Tate the worst guy in the world yeah (laughs) has been banned from Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. So for those lucky enough not to know who Andrew Tate is, he is a failed uh, kickboxer and a failed Big Brother contestant from 2016. He has gone viral in the last few months with these videos he puts out where he spews an incredibly misogynistic view of the world, how you should treat women, very much perpetuating rape culture. He says that women who are sexually harassed bear some or sexually abused, I should say, bear some responsibility. 
um, for what happens to them. He said that women should stay at home, that they belong to their male partners. He's currently under investigation on their human trafficking charge. Mm -hmm. He was kicked out of, I believe, Big Brother because a video appeared of him hitting a woman with a belt. Yeah. Now, both him himself and the woman have said it was consensual and it was a joke. Um, But nevertheless, he is an absolute grifter. He gets men, always men, to subscribe to his website. I wish I was making this up. It's called Hustlers University. Mm-hmm. Isn't that the name of those microwave burgers? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's Rustlers. <laughs> that's Rustlers. <laughs> I was like, yes, it is. I would go to Rustlers University. <sighs> I, I love a microwave chicken burger. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, you have to sign up to Rustlers. And <laughs> we're never getting sponsored by Rustlers. And, the yeah, it's $49 a month. And I don't know what you get for this. I don't know. He teaches you how to disrespect women. Yeah. I feel sorry for his mommy. But, like, his hashtag on TikTok has over 14 billion views. I read a really disturbing article on Jezebel yesterday about teachers going back to the classroom who teach in high schools saying that they, because of the pandemic and the rise of social media in the pandemic, and then the kids go back to school after the summer, that young boys that they're teaching are saying that they watch Andrew Tate, that they are like repeating some of the stuff that he's saying. Um, They're being really disrespectful to kind of G each other up, you know, in the class. And yeah, it. I mean, he's been banned by Instagram, TikTok and Facebook or whatever, but the damage is done. Yeah, He was up for too long yeah. and this is what happened. And the problem is that even if he's banned, there are other people can, sharing his yeah. content. So yeah. Anyway, um, maybe I should do actually a special episode about Andrew Tate and that kind of thing um, because there's a lot the to talk fringe. about. That's a great idea. <laughs> Forget you heard that. <laughs> Even more political correspondent at the Sunday Times Ireland. Thank you, Thank you so much. Emmett Kirwan is a playwright, a poet, an actor, a voice artist, and lots more besides. You may know him as the voice behind countless ads and the man behind the play and film Dublin Old School. Emmett has, in my opinion, just an incredible way of breaking down the issues being faced by our generation and articulating them in such a way that everyone understands where he's coming from. He is clear. He speaks accessibly. So I was absolutely delighted to hear that he has a new show in the works. It's going to be in the Dublin Fringe this year. It's called Accents. And this week I met him in Stephen's Green to chat about it. It was my first alfresco recording. I have to say I really enjoyed it. It was really nice. We're sitting as a sunny afternoon sitting in the park. Um, As you might expect, you will hear some of the atmosphere of the park in the background, some birds, some chats. Um, But I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Emmett, um, I'm delighted to be chatting with you today. Delighted to be here. Thank you for having me. The minute I saw you had a new show, I was like, oh, I'm there 100%. Thank you. I knew nothing about it, but I'm such a fan of your work. I've seen loads of it over the years, and I think you're such a talent, and you have such a great way of articulating the experiences of young Irish people. Well, we're still young. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we are. Yeah, we're we are. Young. But I think um, I feel very fortunate to be kind of in your age bracket because I've been able to watch you make stuff about yeah. the experiences that I've had over the years from Dublin Old School to yeah. now the new show, which is called Accents. So tell people what Accents is about. So Accents is a spoken word, what I call, I suppose, poetry or verse play, and is eight 
poems that have been scored by Owen French, who's a musician who has a musical project called Talos. Yeah. And he's released beautiful albums and he's an incredible singer and incredible multi-instrumentalist. And about three years ago, I had an idea to write a verse player, a spoken word play, and have it be scored by music. And we had the idea of talking about maybe something that investigated memories or where we came from and who we are, how we sounded. That was where the idea of accents came. And then in we started that three years ago before COVID and lockdown. So the show had to keep on getting postponed yeah. and put back. And I hadn't looked, not hadn't looked at it, I'd looked at it all the way through. I was writing a show last year called Straight to Video. So I parked it for a while to write that, perform it. And then when that was over, I went back to accents and I, in the interim, uh, my wife had a baby, mm-hmm. uh, so I have a five-month-old son now. So that was a huge turning point in my life and I was struck. We had to move house while she was pregnant. Yeah. So we were searching for a house last September and that was an incredibly, not stressful, that was like a life-altering kind of experience. Now, I've, it's mentioned in the play, I've rented, I think, eight houses in the last... 12 years yeah. and it's just gotten worse yeah. so that was something that was quite pressing on my mind at that time also that idea that we're living a life delayed and yeah. people are not able to put down roots because they can't actually find somewhere stable to live because yeah. they've been expected to become renters and then they can't escape being a renter yeah. and you know every time the market shifts essentially any kind of bonds you've made in a particular area are thrown out the window because you have to go and move again so that's, that's a part of it but the the narrative of the piece is it's set 24 hours before the arrival of my son and it has me kind of moving through the city outside the hospital and not being allowed in to to begin with I am then obviously for the birth and going to my parents house and kind of having conversations with my parents and delving into my past and why you sound the way you sound how that's a collection of your experiences who your family are where you're from and wondering about the sound and the voice and the song of your child what he's going to have who's not here yet and kind of about the mythology of fatherhood there's a lot there yeah yeah sorry (laughs) when you said what's it about and I'm like nobody I don't have that kind of like two line thing I go it's about this no but but I mean I've I've read some of the interviews you've been giving and I've listened to some of the stuff and I've heard a couple of excerpts and and that it sounds like that is what it's about yeah but let's start I suppose how have you found fatherhood great It's, it's been brilliant you know I I definitely, you know, we're talking about a lot, like, I don't think, I'm glad, you know, it happened kind of now, mm-hmm. as opposed to in my 20s. Yes, um, <laughs> right there with you. <laughs> yeah, but uh, probably the same for you as motherhood, yeah. It's like, uh, I, I, obviously you would have just got nominated, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, and done it. But um, I suppose the maturity and the life experience that I have to really be able to enjoy it and, yeah. and take a step back and be really thankful for having a child now um, and it's been great it's just, just sleep deprived gone mental yeah <laughs> you know yeah. Uh, my head is uh, he's five months now so we're kind of yeah you're still in the thick of it yeah still in the thick yeah, of it yeah you, you know? really now, like, are it, that's the thing not to centre myself in this my partner is the one who's really sleep deprived I think at the moment yeah. you know um, so yeah but other than that like it's brilliant and even that's kind of fun you know it's like 
it's all good. Is it? I yeah. mean, yeah, I, no, like, yeah, I'm it, like good job at trying to put a positive put spin a positive on it. Put a positive spin on that. Like, so if he ever listens back, I'm like, you kept me awake. Oh, he, no, they have to be punished for <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, like, yeah, I certainly yeah, yeah. plan on there'll be a good few Saturday mornings that will be bombing into their room when they're teenagers. <laughs> yeah. Um, but How's it feel now, son? Yeah, exactly. Take that. Take a bitch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mentioned there that, of course, you weren't allowed into the hospital initially um, yeah. when your partner was in. Uh, and I know she was in. She It sounds like she had a similar experience to me because I think your son was born at 42 weeks and two days. Yeah. My older son, Sam, was the exact same. Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. So that means she was in there for a day and a half, two days before you were even able to go in. Yeah, we this were... because of COVID, well, obviously. Because of COVID, actually... She went in and then had the baby the next day. Okay. But like we were still still we were still over. Yeah. Like actually it should have been like it's in the play. It's like he was supposed to be born on the 22nd of the 2nd, 2022. Right. And okay. I was like, man, he's going to be some kind of prophecy, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> numerical prophecy. Yeah. Um but then, you know, it, like that was obviously the initial date they give you, which is wildly like uh, off and um, They should really give you like a 2 week period, I think. Yeah. Well, and do you know how they do that? That whole calculation. It's from your period, right? Or something, your previous it, period? It's some kind of wacky, like, doctor 100 years ago made up the equation. But it takes, it doesn't take into account that some months have five weeks. Right. And it takes, it, it, it only works if every month has 30 days. Well, that sounds like a good a good thing for us to be using in 2022 to be planning births. So that's the initial thing they wow. give you. It's just this kind of wacky equation that yeah. they go, it's on based on this. Like So it's always like, yeah, the off. initial date is like two weeks, like it could be a week off, a month off, whatever. And how how, but how were you, I mean, how were you feeling not being able to be in there? It must have been was, really tough. It was tough. Like, so we, by the time we had the baby, it was actually grand. We could go in, but I couldn't go in for any of the scans. So everything, that was the tough part. Yeah. You know, not being able to be there for um, checkups and scans and stuff and going in with her and then kind of being, no, get out. Yeah. You know, so it was grand actually when the pregnancy happened. I was allowed in and... Uh, it was just, it was really tough. I have to say, all the nurses were really lovely and really brilliant. Yeah, it's, and really, it's yeah. funny, like anyone you ever speak to who's had a baby in the last year, I think is always at great pains to talk about how brilliant the midwives and stuff yeah. are in the paternity hospitals. Because they are, they're amazing. Yeah, it's funny because like, you know, you're in, they're kind of giving you first, what's the word? They're giving you this incredibly kind of brilliant I don't want to call it service, but you know what I mean. Like they're yeah. they're, they're doing a world class kind of service, but the surroundings of the hospital is like something from the nineteenth century. Yeah. You know, so you you feel really bad. You're like, oh Jesus! Like you're, they really are working. Yeah. With what they have, yeah. and what they have is stretched and it's underfunded. And yeah. It's under, well, it's not underfunded, it but it's, you, it's yeah, you know, under resourced. Yeah. Under resourced. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah it makes yeah. you appreciate them even more because you know that they're working within a structure that's yeah difficult. Um. But anyway, your son arrived, Bodhi, yeah. um, and you had somewhere to bring Bodhi home to. But obviously yeah. that was a worry during the pregnancy, whether you would or not. And I know this is something you address in the play. Yeah. Or in the show. What are we calling it? Play? It, piece of work? Yeah, I don't know. It is a play. Yeah, yeah it's okay. a play because I'm a playwright. But, um, <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 I didn't mean that. It's any kind of like, actually. No, it's fine. You've made your point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the clue is in the word playwright. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. No, no, uh, so it's like. So the house, you know, had to I had to fix up loads of things, you know what yeah. I mean, and get the place ready. So you kind of do that nesting thing, you know. Yeah. But it, it, there wasn't there was a moment where I was like, we might not have somewhere to bring them back to. Yeah. And that wasn't because I couldn't find like there literally was nowhere. And also, um, estate agents, we had to ask my partner to stop going to showings because estate agents would be like, and this is a direct quote, like I'm not. This house really isn't for kids. 
what does that mean? And I said to him, it was a house in Harold's Cross, and I said, I'm pretty sure that this is a council house that's, you know, that's probably raised generations of children in it. Yeah. He goes, yeah, but at the moment it's not set up for kids. And I, I was kind of like, I was talking to him on the phone, and I was like, well, I can I can set it up for kids. Yeah. Like, there's like two crappy kind of leather couches, you know those ones that are in every yeah, rental gaff. Yeah. He goes, I'll get rid of them, and I'll put stuff down, and I'll, yeah. you know, I'll make sure the house. And he, but, like, genuinely, and people would kind of constantly look at her bump and go, any kids? And I was like, well, what do you think, mate? Yeah, obviously. We're obviously a fan. And someone was saying, like, why is that? And I think it's... They know well that they're not going to rent you that property for longer than a year yeah. or two. Yeah. They're going to sell it as soon as they can. And I think it's, they find that maybe it's harder to evict a family than it is two young professionals or whatever. You know what I mean? It's so, yeah. So that was a, a constant worry. And then getting the house ready, you know, getting yeah. approved. But, you know. But I think... Um you know that experience that you're describing you know you're you have a son coming you're wanting to obviously care for your partner yeah you know you want the security of knowing that you're going to have somewhere appropriate to bring your son like you know that i think that's an experience that lots of people are having because of the situation that we have with housing in this country there's there's a line in the part in the play and it's in one of the poems you know i'm building my house on sand dunes yeah and i'm fixing up the house as well and getting things done to it like and so what's the point like because it's kind of like it could be gone in a year you know like, yeah. away, and then we're going to have to move again but what's happening is now people constantly talking about like Ireland's never had it so good so why didn't why why are so many of us now contemplating having to emigrate yeah I not know. because we want them but because you have essentially priced us out of the country and and it has to be said we are privileged people yeah absolutely. and we are priced out yeah so what does that mean for the people who can't even afford to look at a rental property yeah. you know for whom that's just a, a, an absolute there's no kind hap- of dream there's no hap tenancies you know yeah. we'll give you a hap and there is no hap tenancies yeah nobody will take it what's the point yeah, yeah it's it's really a struggle and I, I actually wrote a column about this a while ago for the Irish Independent because I do opinion columns every once in a while and there was one week where there was a Fine Gael TD and he was talking about our economic success oh yeah and you you know, record numbers for Ireland in the context of Europe and our economy. And I was like, what's the fucking, pardon my French, but what is the fucking point in Ireland booming economically and being the best in Europe for this, this and this or whatever, if the people can't afford to live here? Yeah. And and once upon a time it was a Dublin thing and people would say, well, just move out of Dublin, but it's not anymore. Yeah. Like it's it's everywhere. It's all over the country. But that kind of, you know, the market is the market and you can't do anything to, you know, control it or you know whatever way the chips fall tough move and you have housing advisors who this is what happens with politicians they get experts essentially that just agree with them you know and you hear how they talk they say if you can't afford to live in Dublin move somewhere else retrain get a new job you go what planet are you people living on I know so what all of the the support structures that you have in the place where you're from you need to give them up why what quality of life are you basically giving yourself then when we're supposed to have one of the best quality of lives life's uh, you know status in the world it's nonsense it's like the country's doing well we've never had it so good good for who yeah I heard you say that you were talking to your parents and uh, an auntie about this and they were saying that they actually think that our generation has it harder than theirs did even though we ostensibly have more money yeah the, the, the you know they could grow a family they could create bonds in the community they could live a life um, without that fear of you know having been moved on yeah so they could they create bonds you know collectives of people yeah as opposed to this kind of atomization of people who are 
living beside each other but separate you know because yeah. you can't actually make a life because you, you're just only it's all temporary yeah i live in um a really nice little estate i'm very lucky to live there i rent uh, we rent from a family member we're extremely lucky to do that um, and there are two other families in the estate well one is still there and another one has already had to move because the house was being sold and they have children who my son plays with yes and we all talk to each other all the time about how lucky we are to be together and yeah the other family who are still there you know the mother of that family and I speak all the time she says you know about various problems that she has in the house and she's afraid to even mention them yeah. because she feels so lucky to be there she doesn't want to have to move her kids they can walk to their school they have friends in the neighbourhood but the reality is they can be turfed out at any time and then my son loses his friends they lose yeah. their friends you know it, and that's a situation that so many people are in and when we talk about societies bonds, communities, families, towns that we create and you're dealing with politicians who all they can see is on a graph that Ireland's GDP and GNP yeah. scale is up. It's like, well, what about digging into those figures and finding out that those people are real people and what kind yeah. of lives are they living? Yeah. What actual quality of life are they having? How does that measure happiness? Yeah. How does it measure, you know, where they are in the world except financially? Yeah. It's, you know, and the thing as well is Always, when people are putting up with problems in properties because they say, I don't want to rock the boat. Yeah. And then you see like Twitter's a cesspit of people going, oh, I'm a landlord and I had this one tenant. And yeah. know, it's not all landlords. He said, well, Fingal County Council did a, a survey there. They said that 90% of rental properties in their area were below living standards. That's not a minority no. of landlords. That's over 90%. Yeah. So when they go... Oh, this, I have this one tenant, the literal definition of an anecdote. Whereas the empirical evidence that's been carried out by councils in the yeah. real world that are actually giving us real world evidence-based research that they went out into the field to find tells us a completely different story. Yeah. South-facing shafts of delicate morning light settle and press the dust on the skin that falls and adds to the dirt filling the crevices between the floorboards where they no longer meet. Chipped floors, old paint. I need a soft place to put them down. Lease is only two years. The eighth rental gaff in twelve. I am building a castle on a sand dune again. Scrapping and scraping Allen key as excavation implement imprinting on my hand, my head. The tongue and the groove no longer kiss. The wood is split. Separated from its partner on a trial basis, I should be writing, but I'm doing my best to bring them together. At least a pound of silt taken out the floor by now. One hundred tough years have passed on this hard wood. This dust is skin. Is the dreams, the vapour of former tenants. You can't plop a baby down on that. I need somewhere soft for them to play. Diggers is an artist and mate that gives me a dig out. Forget sanding that. Vinyl paint. Paint solves everything, says the painter. An acrylic salve to cover history. Some of love can play with them on the floor, blissfully soft toys, no edges, a fort with toy crenellations from which the man and guide are defence. 
a kiln where we can cook up some hard memories, a nightlight, a north star to guide nappy changes, a curtain rail missing, plaster tells a tale of a violent pull, I'll defend and throughout the room again, to shield from the high stone to protect them and grasp that half extra grasp of kip to be a soft place for him to play, a safe place for him to grow, show the missus I get the gravity of what's upon us, the seriousness of what's in line, I'll do, not with words or platitudes, but digging in the dust with tools, power tools, rolling and brushing up on me manly adult responsibilities. Spill the ancestors' residence dust to make a circle beyond which no spirits can cross, we'll get our own gaff, someday, someday. Pulling ghosts out the floor, spray them like goof I dust the sage. I'm a serious man, my power tools in my hand. I hammer a shadow puppet light into the brick. A metal scene. A laser cut fairy tale of aspiration. And a fox sentinel on a hill of broad leaves and a conifer bullies. The little fox keeps watch over the boy outside. A tiny cottage more homely and ideal than this, resting on a hill, salt lamp lit. It burns through the night on my prepaid meter which clarions weekly to tell us how poorly we're doing. Get batches for that plastic neon heart, that at midnight makes baby look like a hardboiled detective in a smoke grey room, scrutinising this strange man's suspect fussing with nappies and vests. I mean, at that, maybe so, but where were you last night? I was right here, kid, just lit different. Soft mats. A solar system of soft toys, spinning for when he comes into focus, brings the room, the toys, our lives into focus. His mother, my love, gives him the best start with her, best smile, the softest voice, my best sound. Yes, tell me more, she teases me as to how I sound, I know, I know, stretching the veils the way I do for effect. I have affected this new voice for these early doors, years, I am 42 in the time of this writing, I am 41, imagining a time that will be nigh, diggers was on the money. That paint is doing more than just holding things together, us together. No splinters for the skin, no gaps to fill in. The dust we've removed and sprayed has kept the spirits out. And the love within. When the lease is up, I'll start the process all over again. I feel like we could talk about housing forever, yeah. um, but I do want to talk about accents. Oh, because yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I know. Is no, something not at all. Yeah. No, I honestly could talk about it forever. Um, but, uh, you know... I, I, the name of the show is accents and I know that accents play a, a role in it because you were saying yeah. you know the literal accent that you have and the connection that it has to where you came from and then yeah. questioning what your child will sound like I wonder all the time like I my children are speaking yeah. but I'm still like what you, what's your accent going to be like what's the pigeonhole that people are going to put you in based on what your voice sounds like yeah I mean like you like have you experienced this like you know kind of oh my people, god yeah. I never stop hearing about my accent because right. it's, it's a mix of American and Irish right okay and so constantly people are like what's the story with your accent did you live or, in America for a while yeah so yeah. I was born in Dublin moved to America when I was just turned seven and moved yeah. back when I was 16 right so this is my accent there's nothing I can do about no, it no but that's but people are really weird about it and this is this is part of it you know how much weight is put into accents and also people make value judgments yes on a person based on their accent mm -hmm. they make judgments and believe that intellect and intelligence are two things that are sorry intellect and accent are two things that correlate or intelligence and accent are two things that correlate mm -hmm. they make a judgment on 
where you're from, the type of person you are, maybe the life you've led. Mm. And so much weight is put into it, but then we're told that it, there is no weight put into it. You know, we're kind of told gaslit, like, oh, mm. actually, it's not important at all. A lot of it's linked to class and, you know, identity and where you're from. Mm. But actually, your accent is a really lovely thing. It's, it's a kind of story about who you are, mm. what your family, who your family are, your heritage, you know, where you're from, the life you've lived, mm. Dublin, America, back to Dublin. So it's yeah. a lovely mix of those two. Yeah. And that's your sound, that's your song. And anyone telling a person, you know, you need to speak correctly, it's a nonsense. Mm. Nobody speaks the English language in this country correctly, phonetically, yeah. you know what yeah. I mean? It's And children are constantly being told from the time they're young, this is the way to speak. This is how you should speak correctly. You should knock off any um, signifier of your town, or you know, they're all trying to m- modulate every young person's accent to some kind of accent that doesn't exist. Mm. You know, some proto-Irish person that mm. never existed. Mm. So it's about how people treat you, and, and the unfortunate nature of as a professor in UCD of education, who said when a, a person reaches third level education in Ireland they almost have to become middle class in order to get by to get on you know and um, I think it was really sad Mm. that your identity or who you are has to be shed yeah or you have to kind of immolate your old self and kind of I don't know jump forward to some kind of middle class phoenix well it's funny because like uh, you know Lynn Ruan did those amazing videos with Miriam Margulies where she was teaching her to say like up the flats and show up you you and all that Um, and most people adored it like I think the vast majority of responses I saw to it online were positive and then there were people who were like oh my god you're enforcing negative stereotypes and I was like what negative stereotypes That, that there are people who literally speak this way like how is that a stereotype and also that's that's their stereotype. Yes. That's like that. They're, they're, they're bringing in, their own yeah. negative they're imprinting. vibes to quote Damon Dempsey. Yeah. <laughs> they're imprinting their own classism yeah. onto what they think it is, and it's it's. I'm you know aware of it in a heightened way because I'm an actor and because I work in radio and do voiceovers and theatre, and um, and I teach uh, dialect coaching, you know, as well, yeah. and. I did something that Sarah and Steve we were talking about years ago, uh, and one of the reviews said, "These two don't sound like they're from Tala." And me and the other actress, Charlene Gleason, are both from the same housing estate. But what he really meant was, they don't sound what I think yeah. a person from Tala sounds like. Because mm. I was like, "Well, we're actually from West Tala, as far into it as you can get." Yeah. And I said, "So, I don't really understand." It took me a few years to kind of unpack it because their idea of what a working class Dublin accent is now that you know a working class Dublin accent is synonymous with criminality yeah. with addiction yeah. so it was this kind of extreme version of the accent that only they knew yeah. and a caricature a, a caricature ways, yeah. yeah it was like a working class buffoonery kind of aspect yeah. of it and I think they were a bit ups- one of them was actually upset by the fact that the characters weren't more like that they said they're not really like Tala people and I said well that was the point of it was to show normal working class couple who spoke like this, acted like this, talked like this, had yeah. these kind of conversations and these kind of life problems, and not this kind of poverty porn nonsense that, you know, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of films get made and, and plays get made that are literally about that one thing. Don't yeah. worry about Dublin Old School is about it, but it's about the kind of, it's twisting that on its head, yeah. where even within uh, this story of two brothers, one sees himself as being above the yeah. other one. And... 
the futility of taking that moral high ground in yeah. any way, shape or form, yeah. whether it be within a family unit of two brothers, whether it be within two strangers, one from this part of town and another part of town, and how it just makes fools of all of us. Absolutely. You know? Emmett, I could talk to you forever, oh, but, thank you. but we can't because I have to go collect my son. That's the main <laughs> oh, reason. Oh, God, right. Jesus, I'm not delaying you. No, you're not at all. No, yeah, I'm only yeah, messing. Yeah. I just mean, it's it's that's the, the when you're a parent, there's an end point to yes, everything, everything that you do. Yeah, I'm the same. What the um, home now? But tell, like, the people, tell the people where so, they can go and see Accents. Accents is on for a special preview on the 3rd of September in the Mermaid Arts Centre in Bray. Mm-hmm. And then you, it opens in Dublin City Centre in Project Arts Centre on the... 10th of September and it runs to the 17th and you can get tickets at projectartcentre.ie and you can also get tickets at fringefest.com because it's part of Dublin Fringe Festival. Well, I'm going to be there. I absolutely can't wait. Emma Kerwan, thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a It's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Now it's time to talk about some of the biggest entertainment stories of the week. And I won't lie, it wasn't really a big one in terms of stories this week. But there is always a lot to dig into when you've got guys like Harry Styles and Brooklyn Beckham to talk about. I was delighted to be joined this week by Jen O'Dwyer and Sophie White of Mother of Pod. Now, Sophie and Jen, uh, Jen O'Dwyer, J-E-N-O-W-Y-E-R, and Sophie White, uh, thank you so much for joining me today. We have to say, this is a bit of a crossover uh, between catch up with Louise McSharry and Mother of Pod which of course I've talked about on this podcast before very generously well no it was honestly payment pending (laughs) um Jen and Sophie are two of my best friends but um I genuinely love their podcast Mother of Pod and I recommended it a while ago and um, lots of people have gotten on to me about it since and Maria got on to me in the DMs and said she was hoping for a crossover and I was like we should do that so we're doing it. I mean we're in the WhatsApp thread round the clock <laughs> why not be distilling some of that bullshit into content? Exactly. What is our WhatsApp thread is called Mini Balding Man Club. Yeah we, I feel like it's due a rename because that's from when we had small bald bald babies yes (laughs) Yes, we had small balding men in our lives 
But that's not our that's not our situation not our MO anymore. anymore. No, they all have too much hair. We're heading back down that road after the knit apocalypse and um, <laughs> removing all the head the hair from your children's heads. Yeah. We'll save the knit chat for Mother Pod. I have a lot to say actually Fine. on the knits. I've been screaming at my phone as I've been listening because I have a lot of opinions. Um, but you are here on this podcast because we're going to catch up on the week's stories in entertainment and we've got a lot to talk about and we'll start with Harry Styles. Always happy to talk about Harry Styles. Yes, exactly. And this week Harry has acknowledged I suppose the, I mean, abuse, let's be real that his girlfriends have received over the years and obviously in reference to his current girlfriend Olivia Wilde. Jen I, I actually don't know your feelings on Harry. Do you have feelings about Harry? Um, not not deep ones. Wow. Um, I enjoy his cardigans. What's he, that like? He, uh, <laughs> uh, I have feelings on Olivia. Okay. And I love that she's a few years older. Yeah. And then I, Harry or us? Both. Wait, shit, I think she's younger than us. No, 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 she's not. She's much, much older. And Wait, I, is she? She's given us all hope, basically. Look, it doesn't matter about facts. It matters that she is <laughs> waving the flag for the likes of us. Yes, and I agree. And also, she handled this very well. She's younger than me. I what knew it. What age is she? She's 38. See, here's the problem, right? We all see her as this older woman, then immediately we're like, she's in her 60s. <laughs> but uh, she's been doing great yeah. at holding it together during this mental time that she's experiencing with I, Harry. I'm so Yeah, so... Because I so have the opposing view. Oh. oh. Yeah, I've been radicalized. Okay. Yeah, I spent some time last night at 1am, to be precise, inside the Harry uh, Staniverse. Oh, God. Where there is hours of YouTube content devoted to tearing tearing Olivia Wilde apart and um, lamenting the Olivia um, relationship. What's the main things they're annoyed about? That she's not a good enough feminist. Oh, yeah. It's actually fascinating. Okay, so before we get into it, like, let's do the kind of top line. So basically, this all kind of sort of started uh, this week with a Rolling Stone profile Mm -hmm. in which Harry Styles talked about how any, it's a how it's so strange because when, where in a relationship starting do you bring up the fact that if you go out with me, there will be hundreds of thousands of very angry lunatics yeah. ready to target you. And he sort of said second date. Yeah. I was like, Harry, <laughs> I'd go into it eyes wide open. I'm happy. I don't mind. I mean, surely anyone who's going on a date with Harry Styles knows that like that's the reality of the situation. Uh, yes. Like, you know who you're dating. I think as well, like, well, it's also stan culture in general because... Say, like, there's an Irish journalist called Louise Bruton Mm. who published a couple of years ago a review, like, she's a music critic, Mm. about Taylor Swift. Oh, I remember that. No, Lady Gaga. Mm -hmm. And her stands came for Louise Bruton in the most vicious, vile way. So it is stan culture, and then obviously that's really kind of, like, stan cultured squared when Mm. it's romantic relationships. Um, But, like, I think as well with Olivia, like... It also came up this week, Olivia, I have a PhD. Um, It also came up this week that Florence Pugh, uh, star of Don't Worry Darling, which is Olivia Wilde's new movie. Mm -hmm. It's the, her and Harry met on the set. Mm -hmm. Harry plays Florence Pugh's husband in Mm -hmm. the movie. Cannot wait to see it. I'm Mm -hmm. so excited. But basically, 
they kind of met on set, Olivia mm. Wilde and Harry Styles, and Olivia was born, mm. and <laughs> the cursed child, Olivia. And I suppose there was like initial discourse around it because Olivia Wilde um, is a mother too, was leaving a... Um, engagement with Jason Sudeikis mm. and like it's amazing how the discourse immediately veered hard misogynist mm. like I I can't tell you anything about Ben Affleck's kids that he's just uh, yes. left with Jennifer Garner <laughs> do you know what I mean but mm. like I saw one of the daytime shows um, in America, Wendy. Mm-hmm. You know Wendy. Yeah, she's spicy. R.I.P. She's gone. The she show's did. gone. Yeah. No, she's alive. She's alive. <laughs> she's, alive. <laughs> she's not doing well. No, she's been through a rough patch. She's yeah. yeah. Never, yeah. Shaky bit. I saw her do a pretty rough take though on Olivia Wilde around the time that her and Harry were getting together there was like videos coming out of like Olivia Wilde packing stuff into the boot of a car mm-hmm. and. I mean, I don't think there was any actual confirmation that that was her leaving her two children Mm. at all. But it was very much taken as like, imagine these two children will see this footage in years to come and see see her break up their family. And it was like, wow, that is specifically woman-focused chat. It's also such nonsense. Like, you know, no, it's not good for any kids to be in a house where the parents aren't in a loving relationship. Like that's, because aside from anything else, like fine, of course, there's an argument that like, you know, the best situation for a kid is where their two parents are in the same house but if they're not happy then they're modeling you know a bad relationship for their children and in the long run I don't think that benefits anyone absolutely and it's totally no one's opinion it's no one's business business exactly um and then I suppose so with the kind of uh stan culture that's been coming after Olivia Wilde like these people are ready to put in the work. No, they're not. And now they're, it's not normal, Sophie. It's not normal. No, no I agree. It's like, I, I love Harry Styles. So I get a lot of Harry Styles TikTok content. Mm. And, it, and I, what I want is clips of the gigs. And I've been getting that. But now it's veered into this weird, super intense, like they analyze his every move. They read into everything. They are coming up with an entire fantasy land oh, yeah. there is a of thoughts and beliefs. Oh. And it is crazy. And Harry Styles' girlfriends do not deserve it. It's very like the um, Amber Heard, yeah. like the TikTokification mm. of her um, story. Yeah. And it's amazing how you're watching these kind of expose style videos made by Harry Styles fans uh, against Olivia Wilde. And like, it's amazing where the overlap kind of arrives yeah. amidst the content. Like I watched three different videos. That's one hour, 45 minutes of my life. And... <laughs> um, and Amber Heard came up actually twice among the three videos. And I was like, this is wild that there is a kind of a, it's a genre and a, within a genre. Yeah. Do you know that kind of way? So I went to Reddit and I was like, what are, whatever. I was like, I don't know if Reddit cares about this. Oh, Reddit cares. Yeah. There's people. And through that, I found a kind of a, a blog dedicated to, um, quote unquote, exposing Olivia Wilde. And then through the blog, this blog, um, blogger, has a YouTube channel, nearly 40,000 subscribers. And I'm looking at a video here called Exposing Olivia Wilde Part 2, brackets, fake feminism and the red hot chili peppers. Now, there were some things that were coming up in it that I was like, "Eh, yeah, this isn't great. Like, Olivia Wilde worked with Anthony Kiedis. Yeah, no problem. After he was very open about his own rape of a child. Yeah. Um, 
there's also kind of a lot of discussion around her and Harvey Weinstein mm-hmm. um, and her not really coming out in support of Time's Up until kind of it was, I suppose, more of a safe yeah. point to do it. Mm. The thing is, now, though, sorry, do you not think that if, if your behavior was analyzed by millions of crazed percent. fans yeah. all over the world, they would find ways oh, to poke holes in certainly. it. Certainly. Yeah. Of course. Like, this is madness. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. Like, I think that the tone of these videos, like, when I said I'm taking the opposing view, I was joking. Okay. <laughs> in case you're both <laughs> looking at me like, oh, God, so he has been radicalized, and only in the space of one and one night. One afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's easy. I'm so easily done. No, no, I do think that it's like a weird indictment of the whole flattening that has taken place on social media in terms of like, you know, nuance just being wrung out of every debate that we see. And also just this kind of the impossible standards. Mm. Like, I truly am in awe of the righteousness that I see on social media regularly because I just think, wow, like, are you so confident that you are simply perfect? I know. And have always been so? Because, like, yeah. truly. I just like, can't bring myself to care about anything that much. I know. <laughs> but what about then, right, so what happens with their relationship? They're in this bizarre bind now. And Harry can't be like, well, look, this has sort of run its course and just abandon her. No. To the kind of... Well, I think they're pretty... To be honest, I think they're in a pretty good place. Like, she's dancing at his gigs all around the world and he's written this beautiful love album kind of about falling in love with her. So, for now, I think they're okay. But I think you're right. He probably has a duty of care uh, when it comes to moving on. Now, we we have to move on, actually. uh, Because we need to talk... more tabs on this, Sophie. (laughs) I know, my friend. I'm going to have to... We're going to have to reel it in a little bit. (laughs) Um, We need to talk. It's essential that we talk about Fine Gael organizing nationwide screen of Michael Collins oh madness God, Jen, you're, I, I know you're thrilled well, like to see Michael it. Collins Sinn Féin well no yeah <laughs> like what are they thinking I think it's very big of them to uh, <laughs> do you, do I you think just it's, adopt them in I mean I presume they mean this as a kind of a uh, a kind of a sign of goodwill towards Sinn Féin I presume it's grabbing at the young vote doing what they can I'm sure but the backlash has been intense yeah it's funny so they've basically they're screening Michael Collins across 19 cinemas in September to honour the 100th anniversary of Michael Collins assassination um, it's, they've teamed up with Omniplex <laughs> Fine Gael and Omniplex who would have thought it um, but obviously people are just like why are you wasting time organising cinema screenings when we have a cost of living crisis and a housing crisis and blah 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 blah, blah. Like, I mean, it would be hard for them to do right now, but it does feel a bit like, I mean, what a weird gesture. Well, I was initially like, is this them, this isn't, (laughs) I guess I was like, is it a celebration of like, yay, famous Sinn Féin man died. (laughs) That's how it's looking to me. Maybe. Inadvertently. A bit of wires crossed, perhaps. Well, no, I just think, as Louise said, like, they really can't do right right now. And like, I don't think they should be... I don't like they just shouldn't be doing anything at any point that doesn't look like they are improving the housing crisis or ending direct provision and if at any point they are caught doing anything other than those two things truly I do think they deserve whatever's coming you know yeah I was thinking more about like if they if you had to do some kind of traveling screening what other movie would be a better choice and I've settled on Free Willy 
War of the Buttons. <laughs> oh, War of the Buttons. Yeah, it's got to be Irish. Of course. I <laughs> mean, really I love there. War of the Buttons. I know. Yeah. I, I, Free Willy, excellent. An absolute <laughs> classic. And War of the Buttons, I, there is an allegory in it mm. for, I think Fine Gael would be pushing this now, for the middle class and the working class uniting. That mm-hmm. was the message mm-hmm. of War of the Buttons. True, yeah. <laughs> True. Exquisite use of the word tosspot. Tosspot. I was going to say, it left us with this all-time brilliant put down. Does your mammy still powder your bum? Your big girl's blouse. Oh, I love it. Iconic. Iconic. There has to be a shout out for Donald Flaherty here at Donald Flaherty. We are dealing with the Illuminati here. 100 in brackets, 100th anniversary, multiplied by 6 plus 7, 6th of September, 7 p.m., multiplied by 19, number of the cinemas uh, equals 11,533 divided by 6, cost of a ticket, 1922. My equals God. 1922. My God, Jen. I You've ripped it, it asunder. You've got to keep those eyes open. It's wide open. There's codes everywhere, Liz. I don't know. I do think War of the Buttons is ideal because obviously Fine Gael... They are the landlords. They are <laughs> the middle classes. And this is them making an overture to the little people of Ireland oh. being like, we can be friends. I feel like I'm going to get a letter from Fine Gael after this podcast because myself and Aoife didn't exactly go easy on them in, fail. in the news. Or, well, that was Fianna Fáil, exactly. So yeah, we're in equal, equal opportunities um, denigrator. Now, Brooklyn Beckham has become an obsession of mine because Same. I cannot make sense of him. <laughs> he, it is fascinating. He, tell me, please the level tell me your of thoughts. Self-awareness that is just missing here. Yeah. Uh, is he doing a skit? Maybe. If he's doing a bit, it is sensationally good, right? Because there's a kind of we have a lot of nepo babies, yeah. amongst our most celebrity. You know, we have some who've done very, very well. Mm-hmm. Like your one out of grey. You know, Fifty Shades of Grey. Yes, Dakota Fanning. No, yeah. Dakota what Johnson. A, what a weird nepotism baby to pick, though. No, I, I like it. Well, I like I mean, her. It's okay. Yeah, we'll have it. But like, it's an interesting one. Don't you think she's doing it successfully? Yeah. Yeah, like, she is. Kind of acknowledging with a wry grin. Yeah. Like not being... That's I'm very wealthy. Wry well, yeah. grin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's easy for me to do everything. Wry so, grin. Am I, am I right in saying Brooklyn Beckham was stopped on the street? Yeah. And like, how, you know, they're doing this Sorry, online. Sorry, not on the street. In a McLaren. Oh, see. He was driving it. in his McLaren yeah. and he was stopped. So you see these videos across TikTok and yeah. stuff. I think there's a couple of people who started doing it, but they were like, what's your job? What's your day job? They'll stop people in very expensive cars. Mm. And Brooklyn Beckham said chef. 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 Now, chef. again, I mean, put on the spot where all of us liable to say anything. Yeah, I mean, it's true. But, but he's like, digging in is the problem. <laughs> well, this is I'm the just thing. like, why are you defending this? Now, as a person who works as a chef, yes. I can confirm that the salary is paltry. Yeah. It is very difficult to make money as a chef. But he just... He used to be a photographer. That's right. Yeah, this is the problem. So he decided he was a photographer and he kept getting... He got all these opportunities. Then he decided he was a... I think cook was initially what he was saying. Opportunities. He got a book deal. I know. Within a month of starting his photography studies. I know. Imagine being in his class. Oh, you'd be furious. Guys, there's a lot of pressure on poor Beckham. Which one? Brooklyn. Uh, he's a lot of pressure on his shoulders. Shoulders covered in tattoos, all dedicated to his wife. Oh my God, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Okay, so he's been through a few careers, right? And I am about to suggest for him some career guidance, okay? So he's been, he's done the photography, he's done modeling, 
Yes. Um, he's uh, done chefing, quite embarrassingly, live on the James Corden show. Yes, that was not good. Oh. Not good. Not shivers, good. full no. shivers it gave me. Because Especially he's not a chef. a chef. I was because like, he's, well. he's not a chef. What did he cook on that show? He had a large cheese piece of sandwich finch. or something? Toasted cheese sandwich? <laughs> um, what else work-wise has he done? Well, either way, whatever, I think he's now graduating to a new career as wife guy. Right. Which is now, now, so obviously he has married this girl called Nicola. Uh, Nicola Peltz. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's because I've heard so many Americans talking about Nicola yeah. Coughlin that I have forgotten to wait. So he gets tripped up with they, with uh, a foreign name. But <laughs> it's just sensational. If you listen to any of our any of our stuff. You'll notice that this is a running thing. Excuse me, neither of you are good with names. Well, okay. at say. least I don't even try. <laughs> Who's your one? Head the ball okay. is good. You know your one. Your one. Yeah, you we know, know her. Her name yeah. is Nicola. We would call her Nicola Peltz, but in America they're calling her Nicola for some reason. Nicola. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know what she's calling herself, to be honest. So they're married, right? And basically he is son of millionaires and she is daughter of billionaires and I just think that there should be some kind of rule that they can't marry each other yeah they have to keep sharing it around you've yeah, got to keep won't. the commoners coming up how do you the think ranks. they stay rich yeah. how do you think this, they stay yeah, rich yeah. this is the royalty of long but anyway long ago. but anyway his what? best husband he went to do you know what really confused <laughs> the crap out of me best husband. best husband okay now I'm gonna get some of these facts wrong but you're gonna help me okay in what's that PR party they throw in LA I think it's called Indulgence Day they talked about it on yes. Who Weekly and it's basically a day where all these kind of celebrities and some A-listers yeah. are invited to a big hotel and they're gifted mega swag oh, like nice. Ireland yeah. swag is your tans you get a few tanning products you and you might get a, a crate bag. of Potatoes and and uh, what about a ten euro Eason's voucher? Exactly, <laughs> maybe a single Krispy Kreme. <laughs> In LA, it's like, would you like one of these cars? Yeah. Um. What about some a full set of grand... Samsonite lug- luggage? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What about a fifty grand watch? And basically, it's for the gals. You know, no. The men aren't really there. At They're not this, invited at this particular day. But it's... Beckham. She showed up to carry her bags. Yeah. He's wife guy. But, but we haven't even gotten to the 70 tattoos. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yes. His father's modeled this for years. So David Beckham's no, he's career. Guy. <laughs> well, this is the thing. I think David Beckham, since Rebecca, whatever her name was, Gate. Yeah. L- 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 oh, that's a blast you know, from the past. Yeah. The story, there was the story that went around about him cheating, blah, blah, blah. And since then, I think he's been wife guy because he's been, you know, trying to make up his public image or whatever. But Brooklyn is this like from the get go. So the reason that we wanted to talk about this was first in reference to the video of him with the uh, I'm a chef. But secondly, he has 70 tattoos for her. Yeah. 70. Seven zero. Like that is insane. It, that is like completely deranged and they're so young and they just got married and he is covered in tattoos for her and honestly I've been thinking about it a lot I I think he's just a nice thick guy yeah you know what I mean that's Mm. certainly what he's presenting yeah and like God love him is how I actually feel well what chance does he have with his millions and now billionaire wife (laughs) 
Yes, I mean, you're correct. He will be fine. But I do honestly think that um, there's no way that marriage is lasting forever. And he's going to have to have a lot of work done to get those 70 tattoos off his body. That's all I'm saying. We have to shout out some of the faves. He has her eyes tattooed onto the back of his neck. It's haunting. Like, it's very kind of like she's watching you. I think it's very of in memory of. Ooh, do you? Mm. I, I get it. Yeah, uh, that freaks me out a bit. The other thing I was looking at some of them. So he has his wedding vows tattooed on her in kind of cursive on his arm. Yeah. And as a person with tattoos, I truly think that shout out to that tattoo artist. That was murder to tattoo. It would have been sore as God well. God love the person who had to do it. It's so intricate. And it's so embarrassing yeah. because those fucking wedding vows, sorry, are that's a toxic combination. Really generic. Yeah. Um, I do think doing your own wedding vows inherently embarrassing, and I say that as a person who did, you know. Oh, it's, it's hand, skin crawling. To yeah, it's so embarrassing, and really, you can only get away with it in that exact moment of that day. But and then, then people, getting if they love you, won't remind you of it. You like that. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart. A better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. It's bad. Can I say one thing? I saw once a forever tattoo of love and I thought, that's a mistake. Um, It was a man in Stephen's Green Park, right? Emer was with me. It was during the pandemic. And he had a tramp stamp. Already, I, I love a tramp stamp on a man. Fuck yeah. Yeah. This tramp stamp was the full width of his back. Gothic lettering. Sharon. <laughs> it was huge and wonderful. <laughs> no. It's... It has become my uh, little, you know how we all have little picky things that we like to watch. Maybe you squeeze a spot. May I take this time to recommend tattoo removal mm. as a pleasant thing Oh, to I watch. really enjoy it. Yeah, I really yeah. enjoy it. It's very enjoyable. I might undergo it. It's amazing how effective it is. stick and pokes from the pandemic I would quite like to see the back of. Guys, um, thank you so much. I, we have thank to finish you. up. Um, we didn't even get to talk about how the Rosa Trulli doesn't even have a crown anymore. Oh. We'll save that for another day. Maybe we'll talk about it on Mother of Pod. Who knows? Um, yeah, if you want to check out, myself and Jen and Sophie are going to record an episode of Mother of Pod now. If you want to check out Mother of Pod, I'll put the link in the show notes so you can go and have a listen. Um, but thank it you so much. It is behind a paywall. Don't let them find out the hard But it's very way. cheap. It's very cheap. It's like a euro a week. And it's full we'll also throw episodes. in, And it's two episodes. And it's really good fun. It's good value. Yeah, I agree. We'll throw in a link to your old episode from the free feed as well. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. a good idea. Okay. It's all about me. Um, anyway, thank you so much, Jen and Sophie. Thank you. I 
should have said there that those those ladies they don't just do mother of pod they also do the creep dive they are pod stars um but there you have it that's it that's it's time for me to go um I actually don't really have any recommendations this week I didn't consume a whole lot of media um aside from continuing on the things that I mentioned last week I finished a league of their own and I'm devastated I loved it so much if you haven't watched it yet it's on Amazon Prime I can't stop going on about it I'm just obsessed I'm following all of them on Instagram now I'm just like just watching loving um I'm so sad that it's over I'm hoping they get a series too. And in the meantime, I think I might just have to go back to the beginning and rewatch again already. I hope you have a lovely week. If you don't have a lovely week, if you're facing down the barrel of some weeks that are tricky for you, if you're going through something, then you have my absolute sympathy and solidarity. Life is not always easy. There's no doubt about that. But all you can do is just take the best care of yourself that you possibly can and put one foot in front of the other and um, we'll get there in the end. It's a good one. It's a good one. It's a good one.